Simon from the Triple F here and welcome to the Triple F Update Show. This is a new format of show I wanted to introduce where I keep you up to date on leagues all over the world. I always like to stay updated with leagues as much as I possibly can but it's really hard finding the time to keep fully up to date. This is a way of keeping you all in the loop and hopefully you find it as useful and as interesting as I do. This episode is a Serie A update show with 11 games left to play. Just before we get going if you could please drop a like and subscribe to the channel that would be massively appreciated. Here are the main talking points of Serie A so far. Napoli. Napoli have taken the footballing world completely by surprise this season. Nobody would have predicted that after 27 games played, they'd be 19 points clear. Before the season began, many guessed that their main objective would be Champions League qualification, and some suggested they might even struggle to do that. The main reason for this concern was that so many crucial players had departed in the summer, such as club captain Kaladu Koulibaly, Fabian Ruiz, Arcadius Milik, Lorenzo Insigne and Dries Mertens. The likes of Kavicha, Kavaliskelia, Frank Anguissa, Kim Min Jae, Tangoy Ndombele, Giacomo Raspadori and Giovanni Simeone were all part of a wide influx of transfers brought in to hopefully gel alongside key players Victor Osserman, Peter Zielinski, Chucky Lozano, Stanislav Lobotka and new club captain Giovanni Di Lorenzo. So far they have exceeded expectations and some. The style of football is not only offensively effective but it is also incredibly pleasing on the eye. Since joining Napoli in 2021, Luciano Spalletti has worked wonders. He managed to guide Gliazuri to third place in Serie A last term and doing so with the senior figures the club departed in the summer. With a younger outfit, he has some firing on all cylinders. Mostly operating in a 4-3-3 system, which manifests into a 4-1-4-1, concentrating less on rigid systems or patterns and focusing more on occupying the spaces left by the opposition. High impetus is placed on being positioned effectively to press or capitalise on given opportunities within the match. Offensive positions allow for more fluidity within its approach, crucial decision-making, phenomenal carriers of the ball in central midfield, and dynamic width all lead to chance creation. Whereas defensively traditional techniques are used such as setting up traps, screening the defensive line with a central defensive midfielder, condensing key areas with narrow diamonds, swift ball recovery, and intense pressing high up the pitch. Although Napoli has the best defensive record in Serie A as things stand, the team's biggest weakness is their dependency on Anguissa and Lobotka to defend the half spaces when the front defensive line is beaten. Considering they've only lost twice all season in the league and conceded only 16 times, that is an achievement much easier said than done. The partnership of Osserman and Kovalic-Kelia, the progressively energetic system of play implemented by Spalletti, and this incredible run of momentum puts them in an excellent position to lift their first Serie A title for over three decades and to achieve what the Italian media are dubbing as complete the year of Maradona. Spurred on by so many, their aim is to not only claim domestic gold this season, but they've also set realistic sights on Champions League glory. And the way that they're playing right now, they have a massive chance of winning it. This is a real fairy tale story, not only for Napoli, but also Spalletti, a great teacher of football who has spent over 20 years managing in Italy, but finally looks set to achieve his first ever Scudetto. He came agonizingly close to winning the Serie A as manager of Roma on two separate occasions. 
Some are really shocked by how well Napoli are playing this season and are surprised by how Spalletti's leadership has produced such explosive results. However, renowned Italian football expert James Horncastle explains. Spalletti is one of the most influential coaches of his generation. He was influencing changes in the game 15 years ago. When I was living in Rome, he was the Roma coach and moved Francesco Totti from playing as a left winger or a number 10 to playing as a false nine. And Totti all of a sudden became the golden boot winner, started scoring lots of goals and even finished his career as the second all-time top scorer in Serie A. Other clubs across Europe took inspiration from that. You think of Man United's front line with Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney and Carlos Tevez. You think of, most famously, Lionel Messi at Barcelona. So Spalletti, someone who is a great teacher of football, makes players better, can reinvent them. It's not surprising to me that he's leading a title campaign. Even though people will say he's never won the Italian League, before, he did win the league in Russia with Zenit St. Petersburg, so he knows what it takes to win a championship. Juventus. The old lady finds itself embroiled in scandal after almost 20 years since the last time they were heavily fined, stripped of titles and even relegated from the top tier of Italian football. The punishment they received this season pales in comparison. However, this dark cloud of negative publicity cast over Juventus is something they insist is an injustice and will continue to protest. The FICG, the Italian Football Federation, announced at the end of January that Juventus had been deducted 15 points for financial irregularities and false accounting. When examined in more detail, they stand accused of pumping up the club's balance sheet by deliberately inflating player valuations during transfers in order to boost capital gains. On top of that, bans from working within Italian football were handed out to 11 employees involved during these alleged incidents, including a 24-month ban for former president Andrea Agnelli and an eight-month ban for former Vice President Pavel Nedved, both of whom resigned in November as a response to the investigation into the club's bookkeeping, a case of jumping before being pushed, perhaps. Furthermore, the largest ban was handed out to former Juve sporting director and the current director of football at Tottenham Hotspur, Fabio Paratici, who received a 30-month suspension. What that means for Spurs is another discussion, but it doesn't reflect well on the lily-white side of North London. For further explanation into this situation for Juventus, please see the link for the excellent Tifo football video in the description below. From a footballing perspective, it leaves the club with a mountain to climb. Considering they weren't exactly playing the most entertaining football, this punishment comes at an awful time for the old lady, regardless of the team's eight-game Serie A winning streak, which occurred from the end of October until the beginning of January, just after the World Cup. The football on display left a lot to be desired, and Allegri's men were considered incredibly lucky to get wins from most of those games. Before the points deduction, they were third, 10 points from top. Had they not been deducted 15 points, they'd be second with 56. But as things stand, they currently sit 7th in Serie A, 4 points adrift of Atalanta in the Europa Conference League qualifying spot. They have been eliminated from the Champions League this season and find themselves facing Sporting in Lisbon in the Europa League quarter-finals. However, all efforts to qualify for European football next term could be in vain, as they are also subject of a legal probe by the Public Prosecutor's Office in Turin into salary payments during the COVID-19 pandemic and a UEFA investigation into potential 
legal breaches of the governing body's club licensing and FFP regulations. The UEFA probe could ultimately see Juventus banned from participating in the Champions League or the lesser European club competitions, the Europa League and Conference League, regardless of their final position in Serie A. Scandal always seems to be looming over the black and white side of Turin, and this looks to be another extremely testing time for the club. Whether Juve can bounce back from this controversy remains to be seen. If you're interested in coming on the show for an Under the Floodlight special to talk about your favourite player or manager, please email the thefff2021 at gmail.com or DM the thefff84 on Twitter. All contact details will be in the episode description. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. Monza. If the situation that Juve find themselves in is one of desperation and negativity, the story of AC Monza conjures up nothing but excitement and intrigue. Former Italian Prime Minister and President of AC Milan, Silvio Berlusconi, purchased Serie C club Monza in 2018. In just four years' time, he has guided the club to the top division of Italian football for the first time in their 111-year-old history. Their debut season in Serie A got off to a very poor start as they only picked up one point from their first six games. Berlusconi then reminded the footballing world of what has made him so successful, his decision-making. The club fired manager Giovanni Stropper and controversially replaced him with the under-19s Primavera head coach Raffaele Palladino. The appointment was initially met with sceptical criticism, but the former Monza winger has proven to be a stellar success so far, as he has guided the Biancorossi to 10 wins, 6 draws and 7 losses in his first 22 games in charge. His debut win over Juventus instantly proved that Berlusconi and Monza were onto a winner. Palladino has often cited Giampiero Gasparini as an influence and it's more than noticeable in how they play. Adopting a 3-4-2-1 formation with a large emphasis on turning over possession via high pressing, wide overloads, positional fluidity and dynamic movement, all whilst providing a secure defence at the back. Baladino's Monza have undoubtedly got off to a flying start and all eyes are on them now to see where they finish. Berlusconi's battle cry of aiming to win the Scudetto and even the Champions League in the next few seasons may be a little too ambitious but the way life has begun under Paladino has definitely given them a strong base to work from. Just another reminder to please drop a like and subscribe to the channel as that would be massively appreciated. In no particular order, here are my picks for goals of the season so far. Adamola Lukman for Atalanta versus Sassuolo, 15th of October. An interception from Atalanta midfielder Mario Pasalic on the halfway line sees the ball fall to right-back Brandon Soppi, who plays a delightful through ball to Lukman. The Nigerian international takes a lovely touch deep into the box, dummies, moving the ball onto his left and sells the defender out of the way and from there he side-foots the ball top bins into the left side of the goal. Abdel Hamid Sabiri for Sampdoria versus Spezia on the 17th of September. A long range rocket from about 40 to 45 yards out. Lovely build up play from Sampdoria. See Sabiri take one touch, sets himself and smashes a swerving pile driver into the top right corner, all from a very long distance. Kavica Kavarishkelia for Napoli versus Sassuolo on the 17th of February. I was so close to having the goal he scored against Atalanta this weekend on the list, but I just went for these other 
five instead. Don't get me wrong, it's an incredible goal. I just think these goals are slightly better. I think this is the closest we might get to seeing Cavaradonna scoring a Diego Maradona-esque goal. He picks the ball up at the halfway line by scooping it out of an oncoming Sassuolo player's path. Jinx past another defender, this time evading a desperate slide tackle. Finds himself on the edge of the box with a wall of green and black in his way, but slots the ball effortlessly into the bottom left corner of the goal. This guy is something special. Domenico Berardi for Sassuolo versus Lecce on the 20th of August. An outswinging corner gets headed by the opposition defence high into the air. Domenico Berardi waits for the ball to drop on the edge of the box. When it eventually does, he smashes it low and hard with his left foot, puts his laces through it into the low right-hand side of the goal. Victor Osserman for Napoli versus Roma on the 29th of January. Most likely to win the goal of the season is the result of some amazing build-up play from Napoli. Some excellent movement from Zielinski finds left-back Rui, who feeds a lovely through ball to Kvaraskelia on the left-hand side of the box. Kvaraskelia crosses the ball to Osiman at the far post. He chests it, then knees it under control, eventually smashing it with a driving volley high into the roof of the net. A wonderful team goal finished off by some incredible centre-forward play by the unstoppable Nigerian. Again, in no particular order, my picks for players of the season so far. Kavica Kvaraskelia of Napoli. Kvaraskelia signing for Napoli from Dinamo Batumi for 10 to 12 million euros is the find of the century. Although followers of Russian football may be aware of Kvaraskelia's talents, the young Georgian is practically unknown to the rest of the footballing world. Not only is he a very rapid winger, capable of beating his man with skill, but he's also an incredible passer of the ball and knows how to find the back of the net. At the halfway stage of the season, with 30 appearances made in all competitions, he scored scored 14 and assisted 16, which is the most he's racked up for any side he's played for. He's built an almost telepathic understanding with teammate Osserman, which looks to be the main ingredient to bring in Napoli, their first Scudetto since 1990. Considering the impact Kvaraskelia is having, it's easy to see why he's being dubbed Kvaradonna by the Napoli fans. Victor Osserman of Napoli Ever since Osserman's 75 million move from Lille to Napoli in 2020, you could argue his career struggled to get into full flow. His first season at the Little Donkeys, he spent two months on the sidelines with a shoulder injury. Despite that though, he still managed to clock up an impressive 10 goals and 3 assists from 30 appearances across all competitions. Last season, his second season as a Napoli player, he scored 18 goals and 6 assists in all comps. However, he spent another lengthy chunk out with a cheekbone fracture. Having missed 4 games due to a bicep injury, some worried it may have had an impact on his performance this season. Fortunately, for Napoli fans, it hasn't slowed him down one bit. Ever since returning from his injury this season, he's played only 4 games without scoring, notching up 25 goals and 5 assists in all competitions. Many have compared Osserman to Erling Haaland, both physically imposing powerful and speedy traditional strikers who know how to find the back of the net. Whilst Osserman's numbers may pale in significance to the Norwegian striker, you could argue his ability to link play and contribute more effectively with how the team operates gives Osserman the edge in that particular department. As his partner
partnership continues to impress with Kvarich Kelia, his 75 million price tag from Lille, which initially garnered negative criticism, is looking like an absolute bargain. Paolo Dybala of Roma Although Dybala has suffered his usual lengthy spells out injured, his impact for new club Roma has been stunning. Many clubs were lining up to acquire the 29-year-old Argentine after he left Juventus on a free, and he himself even suggested he may leave Italy. But the lure to feature and be deployed in his favoured free-roaming number 10 role under Jose Mourinho was impossible to ignore. His link-up play with Tammy Abraham has been magnificent. Given Abraham plays further upfield and has clocked up more minutes than Dybala, you'd expect the English striker to have scored more. But that just goes to show how impressive the duel has been this season, having bagged 13 goals and 8 assists across all comps. Roma and Mourinho will be hoping to keep him fit as much as possible, as a substantial portion of their success in all competitions lies on his shoulders. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Lazio When you're top of the list for most assists made by a central midfielder across all European leagues so far, you know you're a special player. The funny thing is, Statistically speaking, this might not be Milinkovic Savic's best season, as he had a blinder for Lazio last season, notching up 11 goals and 12 assists in all competitions. But it also goes to show how consistent the Serbian midfielder really is. For those who aren't overly familiar with a player the Lazio fans call the sergeant, He's a tireless workhorse of a player who excels in both pressing the ball and tracking back, but offers just as much, if not more, going forward, as his stats for Lazio are incredible. Ever since joining the White and Sky Blues in 2015, he scored 64 and assisted 59, which is pretty impressive for a central midfielder. Speculation of this being the final season for Milinkovic Savic in a Lazio shirt is rife, as he'll only have one year left on his contract in the summer. If he continues to play as he has so far this season, and produces as he so consistently does, then Lazio will likely receive many offers from elite clubs for his signature. Adamola Lukman of Atalanta High hopes were placed on Adamola Lukman at a young age after Everton took a gamble on the young forward after making such an impact at Charlton Athletic. Unfortunately for him, it never quite clicked at Everton, RB Leipzig, Fulham and Leicester. He only made a few cameo appearances here and there and his career at those clubs never really got off the ground. He showed promise at Leicester City and they'll be kicking themselves for letting him leave, especially because it's the Fox's former head of recruitment, Lee Congerton, who brought him over to Atalanta. Since becoming Atalanta's senior head of recruitment, they brought in some fantastic talents such as Jeremy Boga, Edison, Mary Demaral, Rasmus Hoyland, and Brandon Soppy. But it's Lukman who has caught the most attention. Currently joint third highest top scorer in Serie A with 12 goals. He's making a big mark in Italian football and hoping to erase any memories of that dreadful Penenka penalty miss whilst at Fulham. He joins a very illustrious list of footballers like Andrei Shevchenko, Diego Melito, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Romelu Lukaku to score 12 goals in their first 20 matches. That's an extreme amount of pressure to place on any player by comparing him to such legends, but if he keeps this form up, who knows where his career can go. Here's a brief breakdown of the league table so far, after all teams having played 27 times. 
Napoli sit very comfortable at the top with 71 points. As mentioned previously, the title is Napoli's to lose, especially as Inter lost their last two in a row against Spezia and Juventus respectively, meaning the gap between first and second place reopened to 18 points. It would take a monumental collapse from Napoli to throw it away from here, where no other team seems to be in reach of Napoli right now. The race for Champions League qualification is far more interesting. Second place Lazio on 52 points were only seven points ahead of Atalanta in six, who are on 45. Inter are in third with 50 points, AC Milan fourth with 48, and Roma are in fifth with 47. The consistency of teams fighting for Europe is so poor, which makes it so unpredictable. Which of those three teams end up playing in the Champions League and which team participates in the Europa League next campaign is anyone's guess. Atalanta in sixth are five points behind Roma and four points ahead of Juve in seventh, meaning Gasparini's men are in danger of losing out on Europa Conference League qualification. As mentioned before, all Juve's efforts to qualify for European football next season could be for nothing, as the threat of a UEFA investigation could see them banned from Europe next term. Whether that spot would be opened up to the team finishing 7th is unsure. Down at the bottom end of the table, although Empoli in 14th are 9 points clear of the drop zone with 28 points, they can't get too complacent. Lecce and Salernitana should be just as cautious as they're both on 27 points and 8 points clear of the relegation zone. Although Spezia claimed a massive win over into the other day. They lost the following game, meaning they're only five points clear. Verona in 18th are the only team in the relegation places who have a realistic chance of survival, as Cremonese and Sampdoria are both odds-on for relegation, being 9 and 11 points away from safety, respectively. Thank you so much for listening to the Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F.